We got all you need, just take a look and watch those fish jump on your hook. Just relax and take your time. Enjoy the show, then drop us a line. Talking fishing, talking fishing, talking about fishing, we're talking. Welcome everyone to Talking Fishing, another big show coming your way this morning. It's a very good morning to Adam Ring. Good morning, Dave. Morning to all the listeners out there. And just for something different, we're going to get some rain. Yeah, not as bad as they forecast that. No, no. So, hey, we'll take every single win we can get at the moment. Absolutely. Now, uh, talking of the rain, some severe flooding still along the Murray River and uh, and places like that, although it's you know receding in places like Shepparton. But it was a lot of water, and you've just got to say that freshwater fishing pretty much has shut down in the state you know, trout season, it won't be the same and it, and it will take a long time to settle. I'm sure when it settles, uh, things will go back to normal and, and, and it's good, you know, like, like particularly the lakes, the dams, the reservoirs, they're all full. A lot of people asking on social media, how did the Arcadia fish hatchery, the native fish hatchery go? It came very close and we've actually got Travis Dowling, the CEO of the Victorian Fisheries Authority. He's on the program this morning. He's going to tell us how close it got, but it got close, Adam. Yeah, got very close, probably a little bit too close for comfort. But in the end, it was okay. And Dave, yeah, the freshwater fishing in particular is going to be really tough for quite some time. But if I can invite the listeners to think back to when this happened to Gippsland as we sort of came out of Mm. winter. When that settled, and it it did take months, I'm I'm not saying it's going to happen tomorrow, it did take Gippsland months, but when it recovered... It fished and saw some of the best fishing it had seen in over a decade. I can't see how the freshwater scene will be any different. It's a good flush out. There's going to be there's a lot of ground that's underwater that hasn't seen water in a long time. So lots of food, lots of nutrients coming down that river. When it settles, the fishing could be out of this world. I got a question for Travis Dowling as well. I I just got it out of the corner of the room the other day that. He said something about Murray cod will still come come back to the same log that they were under. Mm-hmm. What happens if they get flushed down the river 50 kilometres? I'm going to ask him that question, but we should move on to the saltwater. Some very good snapper coming from Western Port. It's absolutely dominating uh, on the Port Phillip uh, scene. You know, there's, there's been the odd fish come from Port Phillip, but certainly the majority of fish are coming from Western Port. There's some big ones amongst it, and it's we're just going to kick up a gear because we're heading into 15 degrees now. Yeah, this is Western Port's time to shine and it has for consecutive weeks now got consistently better and there's been quite a large jump from when we spoke about this last week to now. There's some really, really good fish. Like a six, seven kilo fish is not unusual and we've seen fish to nine and a half kilos. I'm sure there's probably been one bigger that we haven't seen, but Western Port, you could call this is the start of the proper snapper season for Western Port right now. Isn't it funny? We were debating this on the television show on Tuesday night, Adam, that people measure their snapper in kilograms up to a certain point. Then when you get really big, it goes to pounds because you might just have a 20 pounder, but a lot of people measuring them in length in centimeters. Now we saw a big 93 centimeter fish uh, caught last week. And, you know, we don't know the weight of that, but it's funny. People have got all sorts of measurements for snapper. Yeah, and I think now seeing snapper being presented in a measurement rather than a weight is a really big call out to all the fish care programs that have been run from many different anglers through to the VFA and just the general punters through social media. No longer a fish being hung up by their mouths or gills to be weighed. We'd rather get a measurement 
So for those that want to be released, there's as little harm done as possible. It's actually quite good to see, though I must admit, when someone says I've got a 93 or an 80 centimeter snapper, I've got no idea how heavy that fish could be. So I've got some learning to do, Dave. Well, what we do know, though, is it's big. The yeah, other thing yeah. that's big at the moment, now you've just been down to Gippsland for a couple of days. Good reports of King George Whiting from Lakes Entrance. I heard a report in the middle of the week of someone catching, or a group of young guys catching 50 Whiting off the footbridge in Lakes Entrance proper. That is remarkable. Yep, one of the biggest fishing stories of the last couple of years, and it looks like Lakes is going to get an even better whiting season than it had last year where we are all completely blown away by the reports. Dave, this is next level. Like This is this is as good as any fishing in Western Port, Port Phillip yeah. Bay. The Gippsland Lakes is back, and so are the King George whiting, and that is going to make Lakes Entrance especially a premier Christmas holiday destination because to catch those fish land-based, incredible. It is. All right, big show coming up. Steve Johnson in Westerport, Zach Cross in Queenscliff. They're next. Travis Dowling, CEO of the VFA, is coming up shortly. Brett Geddes, Gage Wright down at Horsham. We're going to find out how much water's gone into Rocklands. And, of course, we'll finish the program. Luke and Edda down at Corner Inlet. But coming up next, Steve Johnson with his Western Report report. That's next on Talking Fishing. Talking Fishing, Talking Fishing. Nothing but fishing, but Talking Fishing. Talking fishing, talking fishing, nothing but fishing, but talking fishing. We're talking fishing. Jarvis Walker's new Water Snake Geo GPS bow mount electric motor turns Aussie trailer boats into fishing weapons. The 12 volt system with GPS lock, remote control, and save tracks function is second to none. Check them out at watersnake.com.au. Being aware of the tides and current is vital to ensuring you're on for a great day of fishing. So don't leave the shores without first downloading the Tide Alert iPhone app. Tide Alert works offline. It's full of features including interactive tide charts, a full month of tides, a moon phase calendar, sunrise and sunset times, and you can even set tide alerts. For a free month trial, download the Tide Alert app now from Apple App Store. Always check the Tide Alert app before going fishing. Talking fishing, talking fishing, nothing but fishing, but talking fishing. We're talking fishing. Back to talking fishing, David Kramer and Adam Ring with you for the rest of the hour. Let's now head to Western Port. Steve Johnson is the captain of Ace Fishing Charters. Very good morning to you, Steve. Good morning, Dave. Good morning, Adam. Well, we've uh, had some pretty settled weather during the week and. Uh, I know it's going to blow a little bit today and tomorrow, and it's a little bit all over the place too. A bit of south, a bit of southwest, but you've had a pretty good week, Steve. Look, we, we have uh, weather-wise had a pretty good week, and uh, I've been out for a little bit of exploring myself during the week, and I've found probably good numbers of fish in lots of different places. So it's not like a few weeks ago where they're in certain places and not in others, but you know, anywhere from out the front of Hastings over to the eastern, did a few drops in the east and picked up fish each time uh, over on the middle spit area, uh, up and down the middle spit. Seems to be look pretty well fish all over the joint. Haven't been down to Tangerton, but I know some guys that have been down there. They've been getting fish and also uh, the far end of the quail towards the Warney Channel. Uh, they've also been producing some good numbers up there. So couldn't complain about the amount of whiting around. It's just a matter of putting in some intelligent effort to find them. 
What are you doing for whiting bait these days? I know pippies are still like basically throwing $2 coins out every time you have a cast. Are you uh, using anything different? Uh, look, we, we can't obviously afford to pay $20 a kilo for pippies. So look, we're sticking to mussels. We've been, we've been using mussels, I guess, since the price of pippies, you know, went from, uh, you know, 30 or $40 for a 20 kilo bag up into the uh, the wealthy scale and uh, we certainly because we need a volume is we can't sort of go and buy them at the server or anything like that so look we stick to mussels mussels are a reasonable price and uh, you know everybody can get fairly good access to them and uh, look i think provided you can master the art of shelling them properly so you don't hack them up uh, you shell them out in one piece and out of a well, i guess a mid-sized mussel you can get from two to four baits. A lot of people, unfortunately, still making the mistake of putting enormous baits on for whiting. And it uh, doesn't matter how much you tell them, everyone thinks they're oh, bigger, big bait, big fish. doesn't work like that. Uh, nice small baits, just cover the hook so that the fish who have a very small mouth can swallow it. And that's the only way to go. The other thing we use, of course, quite a few squid around at the moment. So we're using some fresh squid as well. Quite often we'll put on a bit of pippy, or sorry, a bit of muscle, put a bit of uh, squid on the end. Nice thin slice. Doesn't mean a great big blob. That means a thin slice, maybe slightly bigger than a matchstick. And the action of that in the water, in the tidal flow, waves around a bit and tends to get the fish's attention. So that's probably our, our go-to range of baits at the moment. Every year, I think we talk more about whiting in snapper season than snapper. And it, it's every year, Adam, I say that the same thing, don't I? It's a yeah. good thing about snapper season is the amount of whiting around. Well, I, and I, think I, we... yeah, I can't believe that the snapper are just interfering with the whiting season. It's a bit rude. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Steve, tell us about the Look, snapper bite. Well, there's a good reason for that, guys. I can <laughs> tell you right now, uh, that's because you can only fish for the fish that are there. It's as yeah. simple as that. While the average angle can go out, and I have no doubt that the average angler can put in his uh, put in the effort use a bit of intelligence in intelligence gathering find out where the fish are in this case it's sort of there's fish in the south and there's sort of fish in the north and in the middle we can't do it we don't do a lot of snapper fishing because we just can't get the numbers you know for some years now let's face facts the numbers of snapper in western port have been pretty tough no two ways about it and because everybody wants to go home with a feed that's yeah. why a lot of people now have a go a quick go on the snapper if we can't find them around the change of tide if we can't find them let's go and get some whiting because we know we can get a bag of whiting so that's really the reason for it but back to snapper consistent numbers coming in from uh from down around silver leaves more probably closer to cows than the, than real out in 20 meters uh there's the odd one coming from Lysarts, but the success at Lysarts at the moment is undoubtedly in the dark. Uh, in the day, there's been only the odd fish come in. In the dark, I know some people have had success over more over towards the middle spit area than they would perhaps normally fish. But in the dark, the fish seem to go up there under cover and probably feed in the shallower water along the banks with the crabs and things like that that they eat. Uh, up top, uh, around the exit to the where the Warnie Channel runs in and the Turidan Channel runs in and Bag Harbour there. Sitting in the deep uh, there and around crawfish, sitting in the deep around the change of tide, there's a good chance that you will get a fish, but you've got to be patient. You can't just move after half an hour or 20 minutes. You've got to get the burly down, you've got to be patient, 
and you might be rewarded with uh, some good fish. Steve, every week you give us a comprehensive report. We appreciate you getting up early on a Saturday morning to give it. And uh, anyone that wants to jump on board, Ace Fishing Charters, just Google Steve. Appreciate your time, Steve. No worries. Thanks, Dave. Thanks, Adam. All right, let's now head down to Queenscliff. Zach Cross is the captain of Cross Country Fishing Charters. And I tell you what, I'm hearing some stories about big calamari off Queenscliff. Is that true, Zach? Um, yes, from from all reports, there is uh, there has been some some rippers caught. Um, there's a there's actually yeah with a, with that rain and stuff too. That's been affecting a lot of the water too, um, yep. dirtying it yep. up. So it's I think at the right time um, and the right little patch. Yeah, definitely. There's some absolute rip snorters, but I'm still hearing a few struggle reports. I think I'm putting it down to just the, the rain and, and all the rest of it. And, and obviously that swell backs off, but uh, once that's up, it definitely makes it a little bit harder, but uh, very yeah. good signs though. I was talking to one of the sales reps during the week who lives in Queenscliff and he was saying, yeah, still dirty water, but he said there's actually a good run of King George whiting in there as well. We just got to, yeah. And he said, it doesn't matter about the dirty water, the whiting are on the chew as well. Yeah. Well, and truly well, they, yeah, they, they love that dirty water. So it's, um, yeah, it's yeah, it's you you kill one the the uh, the squid, but then you um, obviously enhance your catch of the of the whiting uh, with the dirty water. But no, there's there's definitely plenty of reports with the amount of boats that are out there on its day. It's yeah, it's obviously still getting smashed with some beautiful weather that we had throughout the week. Pushing offshore, what does the dirty water do there? I, I know over the years when this has happened in Port Phillip Bay, sometimes snapper bite really well in shallow water. Do you need to come in closer or do you try and find that line where the water clears up a little bit? Yeah, I'll definitely go out wider, um, especially with this bit of with this bit of dirty water that's sort of been coming through. And still in the shallows, we still can't get away from the cooter. Um, the cooter are just oh, terrible, like really, really bad. So um, the snapper are definitely under them, but it's just trying to get the baits down past the cooter without damaging all your uh, all your rigs. It's, uh, it's near impossible at the minute, so I'm not sure sort of what the, uh, or how long they're going to hang around for, whether they're going to be there all summer or we have to change some things up, I think, to um, to try and avoid them. What about uh, salmon in the rip this time of year, Zach? Is there any salmon around? Yeah, there has been. I'm not sure as of late, so I've been uh, obviously a bit out of action with COVID, but yeah. um Last the the previous week, yeah, there was there was quite a few, quite a few in the in the rip, and just sort of out the front of the rip there, which they've sort of they've been a little bit quiet the last sort of few years. I know sort of three years ago we had salmon schools yeah. everywhere um, offshore, so I reckon with them cooter there and the salmon there now, I reckon we're going to see a sort of repeat of that. And and I was only having a chat with a fella the other day. I reckon everything's leveled out, so usually. Last year it was mid-November when the snapper sort of fired offshore. I reckon it's going to be sort of towards the end of October. Everything's sort of starting to come back in sequence with it was like three years ago. So because there's some there's some absolutely ripping snapper getting caught in the bay at the minute. Um, yeah. Not massive numbers, but some really good fish, which you would have probably heard of in some of your reports in the bay. But yeah, I think so, yeah, if we can get past these cooter offshore in the next couple of weeks, it's going to get awfully exciting. I think.
Hey, Zach, we'll leave it there. Um, appreciate your time. I know you're still a bit crook from the old COVID and yeah. you've caught the secondary virus and you're probably going to yeah. have trouble breathing for the next three months. You've got plenty to look forward to. So. Uh, Brutal. <laughs> appreciate your time, Zach, this early on a Saturday morning. Good on you. Thanks, lads. Zach Cross from Cross Country Fishing Charters. All right, coming up shortly, Travis Dowling. He's the head of the Victorian Fisheries Authority. He's going to tell us all about Arcadia floods and a few other things. That's next on Talking Fishing. Jarvis Walker's new Water Snake Geospot GPS bow mount electric motor turns Aussie trailer boats into fishing weapons. The 12-volt system with GPS lock, remote control and save tracks function is second to none. Check them out at watersnake.com.au. The new Cephia Clinch Shallow 3.5 series squid jigs are a Japanese-developed model featuring a slower sink rate of 5.5 seconds per metre. Designed to keep the jig to stay in the strike zone for as long as possible to maximise the chance of attracting a nearby squid. This jig is highly effective when used over shallow weed beds or areas with rocky bottoms that are more prone to snagging. In six great colours, these are perfect for the inshore weed beds of the Mornington Peninsula and they are perfect around the tide change when the big ones like to strike. If it's quality gear you're after, ask for Shimano. It's now time to talk to a very special guest this week. Travis Dowling is the CEO of the Victorian Fisheries Authority, and he's been good enough to join us this Saturday morning. Very good morning to you, Travis. Good morning, lads. Always a pleasure to be on uh, Victoria's most listened to fishing show. It's wonderful. Big shout out to all those people up and early and out fishing. And also the people around uh, Victoria through the ACE radio network. We're in Colac, Hamilton, Horsham, Swan Hill, Danilik, Nachuka, Wangaratta, Warrnambool, Albury, Wodonga, and of course, Gippsland's Gold and Brett Getty's, he's local and he's going to be up next. But all those places are listening, Travis. One of the things that's on uh, people's minds, been all over social media, they're asking the question, how did the Arcadia native fish hatchery fare with the big uh, floods that we've had this week? Look, it's it's been um, really difficult to, for a lot of Victorians, a lot of people, uh, the impact of floods. And uh, my heart goes out to everyone who's, you know, whose businesses and houses were inundated. And just a massive thanks to all the SES volunteers and the people from local footy clubs and creek clubs who went down there and sandbagged and helped out. We were really lucky at Arcadia. Um, we had some dedicated staff who stood by at Arcadia. The water, you know, came up from the gob and really high, um, as people are aware, and you know, it got to probably about 100 metres from the back doorstep of our um, of our main residence there at Arcadia. Uh, we had staff on board that were pumping out the um, our broodstock dams so that they didn't overflow and wash all of our um, our broodstock cod and yellows into the Castle Creek, which was also in flood, and 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 then into the Goulburn River. So, fingers crossed, we actually haven't had any structural damage, and we haven't lost any capacity or haven't lost any fish at Arcadia. Uh, but, gee, um, you know, the water came up higher than you would have ever imagined it could get to. Trav, oh, you would have been nervous. Yeah, thanks, Ads. And you try and find some perspective in this. So I know that, you know, people are losing their houses and, uh, and lots of businesses going under. And it was, um, you know, it was a real bad uh, bit of luck for us that we had our first cod spawning at a time, really, when the hatchery was um, was locked in. Um, you know, you couldn't get out by any of the roads. And our staff that were in there were bunkered into the hatchery. And, we wanted to get, I suppose, some of those spawning um, eggs to our Snobs Creek facility to um, assist in incubating them through that time because our our actual hatchery building itself isn't quite online yet. Uh, but we're hoping that those eggs will stay and that we've got, uh, you know, we'll still have some survivability with those eggs to, to get them to Snobs. And the roads are open again now from the hatchery. So, uh, you know, fingers crossed we haven't lost much. 
um, you know, and particularly in comparison to what other people have lost. But, uh, you know, there will be uh, there will be recovery after this. And from that recovery, hopefully we're going to see some incredible fisheries. Travis, you tell a story about you go to a little camp spot and we won't reveal where it is. But you've caught the same cod, or your wife usually catches it, not you. Yeah, uh, yeah from the same log every year. Now, if yeah. that cod has been washed fifty kilometres down the river because of the floods, does he come back to that same log? Oh, it's a it's a great story, Dave. Um, the thing about Murray cod, and it's not just that one that my beautiful wife Katie has caught three times now. It's grown from seventy four mm. centimetres to eighty eight centimetres over three years, and lip hooked every time and comes out of the same snag and gets released and it bites about the same time every evening by the way a year apart you go back a year apart and it'll wow. bite at that same time every evening but just for your listeners out there it, 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 you know um the world is an amazing place and and uh the creatures on our planet are amazing and you think about we we, we have a we i suppose have perceptions about how smart particular things are but a Murray cod, we've tagged them and we've 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 seen them and we've had data track loggers on them. They can swim 50, 100 kilometres down rivers, uh, you know, while they're spawning, while they're looking for food, while they're out moving, you know, just moving around and things like flood events. But also just when they're out, they're actually wanting to go, you know, hunting, and they will swim all the way back and stop and perch under the exact log that they left, and it'll be their home again. And they they may do that two or three times a year but they'll always come back to that same log. And that's one of the beautiful things about the slot size with Murray Cod and closed seasons and bag limits, which protected them because, uh, you know, people can go and catch that same fish over and over and it will come back to that log. So, uh, no, it is just amazing. That is an amazing story. I've got to change the subject here. When you go up to Marimbula or Naruma or Batemans Bay, you can stop off at the oyster growers where they're processing their oysters and grab yourself a dozen or two and you can shuck them yourself if you like or you can buy them opened. You're going to be able to do that in Lake's Entrance in the very near future. Tell us about that. Well, this is a great story and it's it, it, like it's Victorians want to have fresh seafood. They want to have it available when they whether they're at Malacuta, Lake's Entrance, Port Ferry, Portland, Warrnambool. If you go into a coastal town in Victoria, it's the expectation of Victorians you should be able to buy fresh seafood. Now, the king of fresh seafood in Victoria really straight off the boat has been Lake's entrance and has been that way for decades. You can go there and you can buy prawns, you can buy bugs, you can buy fresh flathead straight off the boat, straight caught that night, the day before, uh, which is wonderful. We're partnering up now with Gunai Kurnai, Craig Ingram and Daniel and all the team at Gunai Kurnai and, and the VFA to start Victoria's first Sydney Rock oyster aquaculture businesses out of uh, Lake's entrance. So, You'll be able to go to Lakes Entrance and buy your uh, buy your prawns and your bugs and buy fresh oysters straight off the racks in Victoria. We don't have that currently. We've got some wonderful blue mussel fisheries all the way around, and they are a great bargain as well at five to ten dollars a kilo for blue mussels. But imagine being able to take your family on holidays down to Lakes Entrance and be able to treat them to uh, Sydney rock oysters straight off the racks, straight on your plate, squeeze a lemon. Uh, you know it is goes a little bit further, we reckon, to cementing Victoria as the seafood capital of Australia. Trav, how does a project like that come about and how did Lakes Entrance uh, be chosen as the site in which this would take place? Yeah, so there's lots of different factors, Ads. I mean, you've got to look at the right climate. You've got to look at the right um, ocean flow. Where we've put the um, where we've put the racks at um, uh, at the Gippsland Lakes, we put them behind a place called Flanagan's Island, and they're, they're pretty um, clearly visibly signposted there because it gets really good flows. So we're we're looking to try and get spots that won't have 
algal blooms and toxicity and all of these other things that can occur when you're, you're breeding shellfish if you have still water or, or water that warms up too much. So a lot of work and a lot of science goes into selecting these spots. Now, we don't know. It, uh, it may not actually work um, where, where we've uh, come up with them, where we're putting them in, but we won't stop. So, uh, you know, we like to think as a government agency, we're very proactive and we're very focused on outcomes. So um, if we find they're not successful where we put the racks in at the moment in the Gippsland Lakes, we'll look at other um, locations or places in Gippsland where we can go out there and, and do another trial and so that we can establish and get this fishery going. But I will say, Ed, it took almost four years for the spat production at uh, with blue mussels in Port Phillip Bay for us to really master that. So we're starting and we're kicking off with oysters here. Hopefully it'll only be a year or two and we'll have fresh oysters available to Victorian consumers. But even if it takes two or three or four years, we're committed to making it happen. We're committed to growing our fresh fisheries, and uh, and we reckon this is a great start. And you know, hopefully, we'll all be eating oysters on our next trip to Lake Tyres to to chase flatties. Well, I'll tell you what, oysters for lunch now. You've got me going. My taste buds are already <laughs> going. This hour of the morning, Trav, we're going to run out of time. But can I just thank you again for a great job you're doing and. Bull and Merai, it just keeps getting better. I think you put 4,500 rainbow trout in this week. You've been putting thousands of Chinook salmon. The boat ramps uh, concrete is about to be poured. when the, and, the, and there's the bass in there as well. And bass. So just, it's yeah. just going along mag- magnificently. And uh, what yeah. you're doing for fishing, you, you should be very, very proud of you and your team. Uh, Travis oh. Dowling, he's the CEO of the VFA. And Trav, we really appreciate your time this morning. Thank, thanks so much, lads. Have a wonderful day. Travis Dowling, coming up very shortly Brett Geddes down Gippsland gauge right at Horsham we're going to hear how much water has gone into Rocklands Reservoir that's coming up next on Talking Fishing we're talking fishing being aware of the tides and current is vital to ensuring you're on for a great day of fishing so don't leave the shores without first downloading the Tide Alert iPhone app Tide Alert works offline it's full of features including interactive tide charts, a full month of tides, a moon phase calendar, sunrise and sunset times, and you can even set tide alerts. For a free month trial, download the Tide Alert app now from Apple App Store. Always check the Tide Alert app before going fishing. Talking fishing, talking fishing, nothing but fishing, but talking fishing. Welcome back to Talking Fishing. Let's now head down to Gippsland. And if you're listening to Gippsland Gold, you're going to hear your local lad right now. Brett Geddes joins us. Very good morning to you, Brett. Oh, good morning, Adam and Dave. It's, uh, whew, we're really charging into summer. I can feel it coming. I, you walk out the back and I smell that grass that's been mowed, that freshly mown grass that only ever comes in late spring, you know. It, you can feel the heat. It's, um, oh, man, there's so much rain man, at the moment. But, uh, yeah, okay, I'm trying to build this up because uh, I still reckon we're, this is, the, this is the best time for fishing. It's coming. It's, it's right here with us. Well, I tell you, Adam has been down in your patch and I might as well hand it over to you, Adam. You two, just go ahead and right. chat. <laughs> yeah. Oh, what have you yeah, been up I've, to, Adam? I was I was in Lake Entrance for work towards the end of the week. I okay. literally had an hour and a half to spare. I put in up in the narrow arm, and the brim with, fishing was insane. Oh, with the kayak? Were you? Yeah, yeah, with the kayak. Yeah, put the kayak yeah. in up there, and um, okay, uh, yeah. So in an hour and a half, maybe nine or ten brim to forty-two. Dropped Jeez. a couple, missed a few hits, and I reckon I'd be lucky to have fished two hundred meters of river. 
And so you didn't get far down from the now ramp then? No, no. I caught most of my fish opposite the ramp. Oh, that's incredible. And was the water pretty clean, mate? Nah, it's terrible. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it didn't worry the fruit. It didn't matter. Oh. But one thing I've been dying to ask you since then, Brett, I had a couple of fish kayak side being yep. followed by other brim. Is that spawning wow. activity? Um, you know, short answer, no, not really. I've, that's pretty rare to see. It's very rare to see. Yeah, they were just wow. nipping away at the tail and rolling around after them. And as soon as they got to the surface, they'd have another go and then uh, and then swim wow. off. But And it happened twice, and I've never seen yeah. it. Well, mate, you struck a good day. Sounds like the brim were hungry, and they oh, treated yeah, you on. Brett, tell us about the King George Whiting. It's a, it's a, it's a remarkable story, isn't it? Oh, the white, jeez, oh, this is, uh, this whole report's about whiting, fair dink, and this is out of control. Um, not all my spies are anglers. My spunky neighbour, otherwise known as Jackie, she was down at Lake's entrance having lunch with mum, uh, right down in the middle of town. And for those who don't know, there's a state-of-the-art footbridge that takes you over the 90-mile beach. So Jackie and mum having lunch, and they're looking over across to the, the bridge and there's three swampy old fellas and they walked out about midday and she said, oh, they're using squid baits. And she reckons they got well over 30 whiting. Well, she said, I reckon about 50 whiting between three blokes. And and this was at like an hour, hour and a half and they weren't little. Dave, they were like 32 to 40 centimetres and it, and these guys just kept hauling them up, Paul, and just lifting them up over. And this is right in town. And if people don't know, it's the Cunningham Arm. You've got traffic either. It's I, I just don't, I, I can't believe it. It's the whiting has got bigger and better this year. I think they've hung around. They're they're in that system, then they just keep growing. Have you heard similar stories, Adam, Dave? But I've never heard yeah. of that many fish just caught off a footbridge. Especially quality fish like King George Whiting. Oh, it's and on squid too, because historically squid's been a little bit tough down this end of town. And a lot of guys locally, they use um, shrimp and mussel and pippies if we can get them. And, and by the way, Dave, can we get pippies now? The ones I see and the ones I buy, they're not like the ones we used to buy. They seem to... Are they the WA cockles or something, or what's going on there? I've heard some stories. Uh, in fact, Travis Dowling was down uh, your neck of the woods. Uh, I think it was earlier in the week, or might it might have been last weekend. And he went into a bait shop. He said, "I can't buy them. They are the WA cockles." Uh, okay. So there must have yeah. been an, an influx into those. But there is some pippies coming into the market from Discovery Bay now. Uh, and if you you know if you want to go and uh, see the manager at Westpac Bank. Uh, get a loan, you'll be able to afford them. So, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, they're certainly expensive. What else has been happening down there in Gippie? Again, whiting. I went to Port Albert, uh, was on Wednesday, and it was a little bit slow, a little bit tough, but there was no sign of weed. And and Dave, Adam, I want you to ask Luke and Netta if, in fact, at uh, Welshpool, the weed has dissipated somewhat because I'm hearing it starting to clear out. Where I was at Port Albert, there was no sign of weed. I struggled a bit, but I got some yummy rock flathead. I got a few whiting, a couple of leather jackets, and a couple of yummy trevs. You know, I love them trevally. And I had them on Wednesday night for for a sashimi too. Oh, beautiful sesame seed oil, Dave, just to let you know, and a bit of uh, 
honey, soy, and a bit of lemon. That's how I eat them. Um, nice, Brett. Now, uh, Brett, I spoke to I spoke to Will Thompson during the week, and the weed oh, yeah. situation at Welshpool is still making life really difficult. So the quicker that can move on, the better. Okay, and before I go, the floods. Uh, yeah, the rains like Thursday and yesterday, Friday. There's just it just keeps ticking over, and Latrobe River has basically for two and a half years been in flood every two or three months. So it's really, really high at the moment. So even in town here in Sale, it's banker to banker. So it's going to be a long time of cleaning up that uh, western end of the Gippie Lakes. Mitchell River high, but water's not that dirty. So anyway, I uh, I feel for all those up north that are having to endure the floods. And I uh, wish them all the best. Not good. All right, Brett, we're going to leave it there. Really appreciate your time this morning. Good morning. All right, let's now head to the western end of the state near Horsham. Gage Wright's been good enough to join us. Morning, Gage. Hey, guys. Now, uh, mate, I'm just looking at the charts of uh, Rocklands Reservoir. It's come up nearly 20,000 megalitres in a week. That's great inflows, up to 46% now. And tell you what, that's going to make a lot of people happy, particularly and potentially people in Lake Tolondo. Oh, yeah, for sure. They'll make a lot of people keen. I was there earlier in the week and it rose a fair bit from um, the week earlier. So uh, it's good to see it's climbing and hopefully a lot of that water gets allocated to Tolondo, which will be awesome. Yeah, I think they've got a, a few more weeks of getting rid of the carp down there. But anyway, it's it, it'll be on its way. Tell us about the fishing during the week, mate. Uh, yeah, not too bad. I, uh, I actually got outfished by my mate, Matty Grinham. Uh, it gave me a bit of a touch-up, but that's all right. That happens occasionally. We got eight yellows in a couple-hour session, so can't argue with that at all. Yeah, John, Tuesday night on Talking Fishing on Channel 31, we previewed Rocklands with the CEO from the Australian uh, Victorian Fisheries Authority, Travis Dowling, and we ran a heap of photos from some fish that have come out of there over the last little bit, and I saw some photos of some thumping big Australian bass. Are they something that bite consistently through the summer months or do you sort of need to find those little pockets where they fire? Not sure. I haven't caught many in summer. I've done a lot better during the winter periods. I, I know where they school up. So they're schooling fish in winter, I found out. And I sort of got my little secret spot where they school up in winter. Um, but I know people still till last week that have been catching them on the edge and uh, along the edges near the wall there. Um, so I'm guessing you can catch them consistently. It's just a um, matter of finding them. I don't want you to give away your spot, but do they school up, you know, in the, is there something about it? Is it in the deep or is it around structure or is it shallow? What is it? Yeah. During the winter, I find them in the deep water, um, yep. in the deep water on structure. There's that much structure in the yeah. yeah 14 meter range. It's incredible. The structure up to about 12 meters in 14 meters of water. And you wouldn't realize it unless you got a good fish finder. Now you, uh, you're catching your yellow belly all on lure. Yeah. All lure. I don't bait fish very often at all. Um, so, yeah, all the millers at the moment. Dirty old sport, that bait fishing, but that's what I love. So, anyway. <laughs> uh, you've got to love it, a bit of old school, but anyway. So, what, what method are you targeting the yellow belly on? Um, so, at the moment, a lot of what I've been doing is black rubbing, um, using like little black rubs, which seems to be the go-to method. But that water temp just got to 19 degrees the other day, so they're starting to get a bit more on a reaction bite, like starting to use blades and TNs and stuff like that couple more degrees will be spinner baits and hard bodies, I reckon. 
Gage, do you find the cod cruise around in the same sort of water? Will you start picking them up as bycatch uh, as that water continues to rise in temperature? Yeah, I haven't got any yet, but I know a fair few of my mates who have got onto them over the past month. There was a full moon the other weekend, like two weekends ago, I reckon. Mm, and I heard about yeah. nine people catching cod on lures just chasing Yellow Valley, which is good. Gage, one of the things that Travis Dowling was talking about during the week, uh, all on Tuesday and talking fishing, was the amount of yabbies in Rocklands. Do you come across them? Do you ever fish for them? Um, yeah, I don't go yabbing there at all. Um, but I know a lot of people who do really well at night time catching yabbies during the night. Uh, it's not known for yabbies, but I'm sure that there would be plenty in there if you tried. Travis was saying that there's a, there must be a, a certain part of the reservoir that's quite shallow. And I think when he meant shallow, you know, four or five metres and, and, and quite a, a, you know, a big part of the reservoir is like that. And he said that's where the yabbies get, in the warm waters, the shallow waters. Uh, he reckons it's a top spot for yabbing. I tell you what, when I get up there, I'm going to be eating yabbies for lunch and dinner, I can tell you. Uh, yeah, for sure. They definitely are tasty. Yeah, yeah. Nah. Mate, we'll leave it there. Um, appreciate you getting up on a Saturday morning for us every week and uh, always give us a good chat about what's happening locally. And I reckon we might be just starting to inspire a few people to start heading towards Rockland. So, But anyway, appreciate your time, Gage. Beautiful. Thank you very much for having me. Coming up very shortly, we're going to head down to Corner Inlet. Luca Netta will join us next on Talking Fishing. Spotter sunglasses are designed and developed in Australia to protect us from some of the harshest UV exposure in the world. You'll never see me out in the water without my spotters. They're as essential as bait, and we all know what it's like when you forget the bait. All spotters' lenses are polarised and offer 100% UVA, UVB, and UVC protection. Spotters use chemically hardened crown glass and have a hydrophobic coating to repel water, which makes them perfect for fishing. Prescriptions are available, and spotter sunglasses come with a two-year manufacturing warranty. So grab yourself a pair of spotter sunglasses for the ultimate fishing experience and we're leading into christmas buy someone a pair for christmas check out the new crypto range which was voted the 2022 best fishing sunglasses by members of the australian fishing trade association spotter sunglasses they're australian family owned for australia's conditions available at all good independent fishing and sunglass retailers All right, as always, we will finish the program by heading down to Corner Inlet. It's a lovely place just next to Wilson's Promontory. It's a massive fishery, and there's a really good bunch of commercial fishers down there. Luke Anetta is one of them, and he joins us. Very good morning to you, Luke. Good morning, guys. Uh, it's been a pretty good week this week weather-wise, Luke. I'm, I'm tipping you've been out on the fish. Sun was shining all week. It was a pleasure to be... Uh... To be out on the boat this week and actually have some nice weather to work. So uh, very, very happy with our week. What did you catch? There's plenty of rock flat out. They have really turned up now and they're being caught uh, you know, left, right and centre by the boys. And there's plenty of garfish around at the moment. Um, the, the calamari were a little bit disappointing this week and the, and the whiting, there's, there wasn't a heap of them being caught. But between the garfish and the rock flathead, certainly enough to keep us going so look that weed's cleaned up a little bit for you making life a bit easier no it hasn't cleaned up but it is uh this sunlight that we've had this week has um you know been amazing for it because it doesn't like the sunlight it doesn't like the warm weather so uh it's changed color now it's starting to go to a um sort of an olive green color and it's starting to float in the tide which tells me that 
we're one or two good blows away from it uh, disappearing, which is good to hear. Tell us about the rock flathead. Now, are you getting them uh, in your mesh nets or your seine nets? So we've had them in a bit of both this week. There's uh, there's some being, as soon as you'll be four daylight with the seine net, you're catching a few, but um, quite a few of us were out with the mesh nets for a couple of hours each night this week and uh, had a had a nice few few rock flathead, all different sizes, but there's a lot of a lot of medium ones around at the moment with a few few big ones kicking. I, I did have one that went 1.8 kilos. That's a cracker. That is a cracker. That's a nice one. Nice big head on it. Hey, Luke, are there any other species that perform better like the rock flathead during the night? A lot of the species like, you know, your Tommy Ruffs and um, your Jack Mackerel and all that sort of stuff, they're up on the banks during the night. So a lot of the times during the day, as soon as that sun comes up, you miss out on them. That's why that's why we do like to get up in early in the morning and head out because you catch the, uh, we call them the lesser species, but they're really sought after now as well. But you, you certainly pick up a lot more of that sort of stuff before daylight as well. And even the flounder, the flounder are getting around a fair bit more when it's dark. They seem to be moving a bit more. You know, I think they... They probably feel like they're safe when it's dark and uh, and someone comes along and gets them. And and you're talking mesh nets or seine nets again, Luke. Like for the you know for those species in the dark, are you you're trapping them in there with a mesh or? No, that's with the seine net mainly. Yeah. You know, yeah. some some of the guys do all, uh, you know, shoot the the mesh nets and leave them for a few hours during the night. But this time of year, they predominantly go down in the afternoon and picked up just after dark. So. They're only yep. in the water for three, you know, three hours at a time, sort of thing. And is that a better method for your rock flathead? Um, it's a, like it's a, it's a really good clean method at this time of year to, to catch them. Um, and you do get a lot more with the mesh nets at this time of year. But uh, you know, in saying that, there's there's nothing wrong with catching them in the scene. We'll take them every every time we get them. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Those big ones that you're catching, are they coming into spawn or anything like that? Like, where where are these fish been? They've been out in the deep and they're coming into the inlet in a bit shallower water? It's certainly the time of year. Look, some of them do come into spawn. There's no if, buts or maybes about that. Um, yeah. But they just, um, it's the time of year. They've been doing it for as long as I can remember now. And, you know, it's, well, when I say as long as I can remember, the guys have been catching them like this for about 100-odd years. And yeah. they just... There's just from now till you know the end of January. There's always a lot of rock flooded around, and probably, probably without the green stuff that's been around, the green slime, um, we normally would have caught quite a few rock flooded the last few months as well. But um, you know the green slimes made it hard to use use mesh nets, which is yeah, very very painful in it. Look, his corner inlet. Is that the premier fishery for rock flathead? Because up until we started talking to you in this program, I'd heard of the odd one out of Western Port. I'm sure they must get a few through Port Welsh Pool as well, but I've, I've just never heard of them in the number that you get them through at Corner Inlet, or is it just they're that hard to get on Rod and Reel? Uh, they're just that hard to get on Rod and Reel, but in saying that, Corner Inlet's always been the home of rock flathead. So in Port Phillip Bay, they used to catch quite a few rock flathead as well. But uh, probably not the same number as they do in Corner Inlet. Corner Inlet's a, you know, it's a fantastic place for them, and I think it's to do with the um, broadleaf grass that that Corner Inlet has in it. It's got a lot of broadleaf grass, and the rock flathead at this time of year just absolutely love it. So, 
Um, you know, and that's why Western Western Port's got a bit of the broadleaf, and they and you know you do catch the rocks on it. But as we know, in Port Phillip Bay, there's next to no broadleaf there, so the, the rocks you catch are on the fine grass, and you know they do catch them, but they uh, they certainly love corner inlet the most, and that's where the biggest numbers of rocks come from. Hey, Luke, we're going to leave it there. Uh, appreciate your time every Saturday morning, mate. You join us and uh, talk about the fish you catch and heading into the restaurants and, and the markets uh, as we speak. No worries, guys. Thanks for having me. Enjoy the weekend. I tell you what, it's 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 exciting times. We have crossed through that 15-degree mark. Uh, we will start to see more snapper. Well, obviously, the whiting are turned on. Haven't seen a lot of whiting reports out of Port Phillip, by the way. Um, now, a lot of people are fishing, I think, they're turning onto those big calamari. Yeah, I think the the whiting fishing will start as soon as those big calamari calm down a little bit. And then there'll be the craziness of snapper season, which Port Phillip's still got its prime time to see. Though Western Port, I think, is the sweet spot at the moment. If you want a snapper, I think Western Port, you can't go past it. Uh, and again, there's still plenty of whiting around if you want to try something else uh, when the tide gets humming. I was talking to a, a, another commercial fisher down in Tasmania during the week and... Uh, he was telling me he, he goes for calamari and it's a closed season now in Tasmania. So uh, thank God we don't have those closed seasons. But he said to me, uh, and I know it's getting a little bit off subject, but he said last year was his biggest year ever. And he fishes around Flinders Island for yellowtail kingfish. That will get me excited. I reckon uh, we're only about two months away. You know, those kingies that were down off Flinders Island, they can, they're they more than welcome to come and inhabit our waters over the next few months, Dave, because that'll just add another layer of excitement around Port Phillip Bay. That's the end of the program. Hope you enjoyed it. If you missed anything, this program will shortly be available on podcast on your station's website. Until we speak to you again next Saturday morning, please stay safe on the water and enjoy your fishing.